Hello, Growth Mindset listeners. Today's guest does a fantastic job of introducing himself, so I'll let him kick things off. First of all, hello, everybody. I cannot see you, I cannot hear you, but I assume that you are out there. I'm very happy uh, to be here. And uh, the company, what we are building is, uh, we're building technology to make human learning faster using artificial intelligence. And we started to use this technology first for teaching languages super fast. We believe that this technology that we are building is applicable to other fields of education as well. As we measure so many things about the learning and uh, we train our algorithms to understand what's happening inside your brain and we're building algorithms which leverage this information to make you to learn faster and more effectively. Hello and welcome. I'm Sam Harris, and it is my true honor and pleasure to host you here on the Growth Mindset Podcast. I talk to amazing individuals about how they achieve their dreams and break down the strategies it takes to lead explosive tech businesses to being paid to travel the world. I deep dive into topics such as Bitcoin and fintech, or just how to get stuff done, with the goal of increasing our own collective wisdom and making us all happier, healthier, and wealthier. Who doesn't want that? So to summarize, we have Mike Muntel, the CEO of Lingvist. The company has been training algorithms to understand different individuals' brains and learning processes to leverage this information to make you learn as fast as possible. So that's more than enough to convince me to listen to every word he then goes on to say, and it's turned me into a bit of an instant fanboy. I should further add that he was recommended to me by a friend and investor, Eamon Carey, who appeared on the podcast last year. I think it was episode 12, maybe. But anyway, he stated that Mike was possibly one of the best CEOs he's ever met and one of the most interesting individuals. And after my conversation now with Mike, I am certainly inclined to agree with him and think he will too. It also turns out that Mike was part of the team at CERN that discovered the Higgs boson. And as a scientist and entrepreneur myself, it was just a huge honor to talk to Mike who is someone just wildly successful in both of these avenues and super interesting guy to talk to. Okay, can you tell me how you first had the idea? My previous career was not related to uh, languages at all. Um, I was a nuclear physicist at the Center of European Nuclear Research. It's a huge um, scientific laboratory on the border of Switzerland and France. Maybe some people have heard about it, CERN. And uh, some years ago, there was one of the biggest discoveries um, in this century, or at least decade, um, when we discovered the Higgs boson. And I was lucky to be the member of the discovery team at the time. But, uh, when having this uh, discovery, I started to think whether we could use the same kind of technology for teaching people faster because essentially we were teaching computers how to find unknown particles and I thought that we're using some really cool algorithms and I I was just curious if I would apply those algorithms on my own learning how quickly I would learn and then uh, I, I built myself a software to learn French really quick and using this CERN uh, software and algorithms and I, I did it as a hobby, but then the hobby went out of the control. And uh, at some point I realized that actually I'm building a company now. 
<laughs> and then I had to quit my job as a scientist and start uh, being uh, chief executive officer of yeah. <laughs> Linguist. That's a big change. Yeah. So oh, that must have been a real, like, complete wide right turn. Were you slightly unhappy doing science at that point, or was it just new and you felt that you could dedicate to doing it? Yeah, if I look back, then probably I was a little bit unhappy sometimes because I, I thought that I'm not so great scientist. I, I, I knew that if I had learned more and if I had been um, more hardworking, then I would have been much better scientist. And, uh, and there are moments in your life where um, you have been expecting you have been trying to achieve a big goal, and after achieving this big goal, like like he discovered the Higgs boson, you, you you feel like empty. That what's next? What's, yeah, what's well, what's now? Because <laughs> <laughs> and it was probably some slightly unconscious decision because I was not intending to leave science. It was just a side hobby project. But when I had to make this decision um, whether to proceed with this path, then um, I was thinking about. Um, one of my hobbies, um, hiking on the mountains and uh, in a very, very wild way because uh, I had some hobby to hike in completely uncivilized places in Siberia and in high mountains. And if you go out from your warm home uh, to the windy field where it rains and uh, and uh, snows and it's cold and uh, you are wet and you have heavy backpack and you have to walk uh, miles and miles. <laughs> then on the first glance, it seems quite unpleasant. Why people <laughs> should do it? But there is, if, you're, if you are on this journey, then it has some kind of attraction uh, to, to test your limits and uh, to be in, in a different environment and you're also happy when you come back home. And this, uh, this uh, decision to start the company was kind of similar to me that I'm, I'm going to the hiking trip. Yeah. I do not know which lands I will discover and what will happen, but there, is, there was some romantic attraction to do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is one of those things as in you never know what's going to happen and you don't really ever plan a hiking trip for like terrible weather. You're kind of like, oh, it's going to be beautiful in the sun and things. And then when it happens, it's like, it's awful and there's a storm. You spend the entire time being like, oh, this is terrible. I've got blisters or it's wet and I'm cold. But you get to the end and you're like, oh, that was so awesome. And yes. it's so similar yes. with the yes. businesses. Yeah, exactly. The same, th same feeling is now that it's a super awesome journey that I took. Of course, I took mm. a lot of risk uh, leaving a really well-paid and prestigious job. Mm, but I have not regretted it since. Cool. I was thinking that uh, uh, I will see when I start to regret it, maybe in a half year's time or one year's time. <laughs> but I guess that I have not regretted it now, then I will never regret it anymore. Yeah, that's really interesting. So what is your general role now? Because obviously you used to just be doing research and you're now CEO. What are the responsibilities of executive officer? This is... Um, a tough question that uh, all of the CEOs have to ask from themselves. I started to realize that I'm a CEO of the company when I was one year in. That, ah, oh, okay, I am the CEO. <laughs> and then 
I started to think that, okay, what the CEO has to do, because I had never had any experience working in a proper company, because I had been a scientist for whole of my life. I read some books and I have defined this role for myself as it has three key things that uh, CEO has to do. Thing number one is my responsibility is to keep company funded so that we have enough money to weather the storms. Finally, the company is bringing in revenue so that the shareholders are happy. We're doing it in such a way that we make our customers happy as well. But the number one thing is to keep company funded. The second thing is to make sure that right butts are on the right seats. And the third thing is uh, keeping the vision. <laughs> this is the most complicated thing because you can ask, what does it mean, keeping the vision? You, you probably do not understand it before you have lost the vision or, <laughs> or you have um, done a bad job doing it. Cool. So I really like to ask questions that compound on what's just been explained. And I do often go into funding of companies mm -hmm. or how to hire or how to maintain a vision, mm -hmm. depending on what the person has the skill sets on. But obviously, you've just spoken about all three. So I want to ask you, <laughs> how do you do all three? <laughs> so firstly, funding. How did you secure funding? In general, it's, I guess, pretty much the same for all of the startup companies who use uh, venture capital money that they, the first uh, step is to convince somebody to give you a little bit, uh, like 50,000. Uh, and normally those people are fools or friends or family. <laughs> if you have got something going with this little bit of money, then the next round is uh, angel can investors. We, can we uh, not go to the next round too quick? Like, how did you do that though? Did you go to like your friends and family? Did you write like a business plan? Um, the way we did it initially was that um, uh, I had a co-founder. He came from, from banking when we were thinking, where, where can we get money? Then he said, oh, well, there are banks. We can take a loan, <laughs> which is not very typical. But no. we took mortgage on our houses and took some small loan from the bank. And when we had taken some loan, then it was uh, easy to demonstrate to the angel investors that we believe what we're doing. We have taken personal risks. And this was a huge argument to raise the seed, seed round. Um, because at that moment, you do not have anything except of um, your idea. And the, the biggest argument for angel investors is uh, your commitment. And by taking this loan, we demonstrated that we can take some, some risk. We, of course, we put some our money into the game as well. Yeah, that's really cool. It's not actually the typical thing you hear, to be honest. Mm. And <laughs> there's actually... I would be much more impressed if I was investing in you mm. and you said, like, oh, I took a loan to start this mm. rather than, like, a, oh, I raised the money of people that didn't understand mm. what I was doing just mm. because I could. It's good. Okay. And then, so that, then you got through, like, your first major round and then from then it's just been more proving traction? Or? Yes. Then we raised serious A round uh, from a Japanese e-commerce giant, uh, one of the biggest companies in Japan, uh, uh, Rakuten. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, if, you, if you're a football fan, then you've yeah, maybe yeah. seen Messi playing with Definitely. the Rakuten logo. Cool. Well, congratulations. <laughs> um, yeah, how did that come to be? You just speaking to loads of different investors and somehow went to Japan? It's quite random, uh, to be honest. Mm. Because um, we were not raising funds at that time because we thought that we have enough money from the angel investors. And... Um, it's said that uh, startups, they should always raise money, even if they do not need money. In fact, it's easier to raise if you do not need. And uh, there was one, just one random moment in a random conference in the uh, UK or Cambridge. 
uh, where I took a taxi with one nice lady uh, and I had a chat with her in a taxi while driving to the conference dinner. And she said that she's organizing Mikitani's uh, trip to Slush in Helsinki. Mm. <laughs> and, and I asked, who is Mikitani? Uh, she said that, uh, oh, don't you know? He's, she's, he's the CEO of the biggest uh, Japanese company. Uh, it's like an Amazon in, in Japan. Um, I said, oh, no, I don't know. But can you organize me a meeting with him? <laughs> and she said, yeah, maybe I can. And then it turned out that she organized the meeting. Um, unfortunately, I couldn't go to this meeting. <laughs> <Okay. Okay. laughs> uh, but uh, I sent my chief technology officer, who had never pitched in, in his life before. Wow. Uh, <laughs> no pressure. Yeah. And um, he screwed it up, <laughs> kind of. He gave a very good pitch, but he uh, couldn't talk to him afterwards because there were so many video cameras around and he didn't like it. Right. And uh, he just gave me the business card and uh, I just sent a cold email a couple of months later that, by the way, I'm coming to Tokyo, we didn't have a chance to meet in Helsinki, can we have a meeting? <laughs> and yeah, they answered, yeah, why not? Yeah. And then I made my plan to go to Japan because actually before, when I sent an email, I had no uh, plan to go there. But yeah. it somehow went very well. I met many, many, many other companies in Japan. And then basically in this meeting, he said that I want to invest. And cool. we took it from there. That's amazing. It's, in, it's funny to look back at things and they seem kind of inevitable. But at the time, yeah. it must have been like... Some tiny, like random... possible chance, but yeah. I'll just give it a go anyway. Yeah. And like, you're probably doing like a million things just like it. Yeah. Like one of them just happens exactly, to be Exactly. So this is the lesson that some, yeah. some tiny things may actually turn out to be quite big things. Yeah, yeah. And you never know. Definitely. Cool. That's also like... One of the reasons why you should just be nice to everyone because you never know who you're being nice to mm. and exactly. sometimes things come back. Yes, exactly. I'm sure you could have like taken a cab by yourself and <laughs> not offered to share or something. <laughs> who knows, you'd be sat here like broke and yeah. no money. Or you may have found something else. But So yeah, number two, how do you go around hiring and firing people? Um, we have been extremely lucky hiring really, really great people. And... Uh, I do not really know how does it, has it happened. They sometimes it's like a miracle. Yeah. <laughs> the, the story is that uh, that um, in the early days uh, we were looking for chief technology officer, and uh, it's a, the most crucial role in in technology business uh, because if especially if you're, if you're building a complicated product um, which has to scale to millions of people and is um, ha has complicated machine learning architecture, then, mm, then you need a really, really good chief technology officer because the early days are very important. If you do not build a good uh, um, a foundation, then you cannot build a skyscraper on it. And uh, our chairman, or at that moment, he was um, mm, just an investor. Uh, but he was the technical co-founder of Skype and uh, I asked him whether he knows somebody who he could recommend and he said that yes I could recommend you one really good guy uh, who was my boss at Skype uh, uh, he was uh, the lead of Skype core technology team um, and uh, the, the technical co-founders convinced him to join Skype for a year uh, because he had already his own business. And they have later said that when he joined Skype, then actually Skype took off 
because mm. he was so good. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, now when Skype was successful, um, it was sold to eBay and Microsoft, and uh, and he was still working at Skype, and all of these Skype te Skype technical co-founders they um, had made a lot of money. They be had became investors, building other great companies. Jan um, Tallinn, our uh, our investor, he was uh, one of the first investors in DeepMind, which is um, uh, the leading artificial intelligence company now acquired by Google. Uh, and he had many, many tens, even more companies. I know 60, 70 companies in his portfolio. Um, and he said that he has been trying to uh, pull this uh, Skype technical lead of core technology team out from Skype for years to recruit him from to his companies and uh, they were good friends and uh, he had like uh, the best ch chances to do it <laughs> by far the best chance to do it and he said that okay okay um, I have been trying to pull him out from from Microsoft for years to my own companies I have never succeeded um, I can make an introduction the probability is essentially zero <laughs> for you but I can still make the introduction and then uh, um, we met in a, in a, a canteen, had a lunch, and uh, I asked him whether he wants to be an investor. He said, yeah, well, it's a cool idea. Uh, I like what you're doing. Uh, it's, it's important to make people to, to learn better because he was also very committed in learning. And, uh, and uh, then at some point, we proposed him to advise us as, as an investor. And he said, yeah, I, I would like to advise you. <laughs> I would like to be an advisor. And then after some time, he said that, you know, actually, I would <laughs> come full time to your company. And this was like, like a bigger than investment yeah, yeah. from any, any, any great VC. <laughs> yeah. And we have been extremely happy since then. And uh, um, it's super impactful to the company to have such great people because they attract other great people and so on. Lucky occasions. That's a really good point that it's, if you've got someone that's really interesting to work with, it definitely mm. drives the thing. Did you have to give up a, like, a lot of equity to... It's a very common yeah. thing that if you, if you start a company, um, you cannot pay <laughs> much in the beginning mm. because you do not have money and you do not have a product. And then uh, the only thing that you have is uh, um, give a stake of your company and uh, yeah, it's a very norm normal thing to do. Can you say like how much it was? I can tell you the approximate numbers. What, what are the um, market standards that yeah. uh, if you if you start a company, then in every funding round you allocate approximately ten percent to the option pool, and then uh, you divide this option pool between these early people and in the next funding you will do the same and then the next funding you will do the same. So, mm -hmm. But as company grows, then in the third funding, uh, the option uh, percentage compared to the total amount of the stock options is, of course, smaller. Sure. But you can calculate what it could, uh, what it could be approximately. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. cool. Thank you. That's just handy because I'm actually being asked that quite a lot lately. Mm. Um, and then I guess the other important thing about hiring is having a good vision mm. and that would make interesting people want to come and work for you. So yes, 
how do you maintain a good vision? <laughs> yes, uh, um, yeah, vision is kind of evolving thing anyway. Um, and um, I think I could, I could do a much better job on creating this vision and especially communicating this vision. Um, and it definitely plays an important role um, on the hiring process. Uh, when I started this uh, company and I was looking for uh, uh, great natural language processing people to join us, um, then I joined the important conferences in the, the, the were most important conferences and uh, I did some research who are the um, best or most important professors uh, participating in this conference um, and uh, I was not very sure whether this thing what I'm doing resonates with them um, but I, I made um, a slide deck where I explained what is our goal we want to we're building technology which helps people uh, to take best of the abilities uh, because we measure uh, while they're learning we can measure the memory process processes and we can use uh, artificial intelligence to optimize the learning process so that they would learn the fastest and we, we use uh, different natural language processing tools and this is what we have now and this is what we want to build in the future that uh, it really um, something that is missing on the market can, can be done it's, uh, uh, and it, people would extremely benefit from having that kind of product and I had my slide tech uh, and uh, I, uh, I selected uh, like a 40 professors from uh, uh, in the conference and uh, I hunted them down. I had uh, uh, half an hour chats with all of them and I was very surprised that actually all of those professors became uh, enthusiasts right away. They, there was not a single m meeting that I had where they, they said that, oh, no, it's boring, I, I know, it's something, forget it. <laughs> Everybody were very inspired about it and then uh, I started to ask uh, whether you know some good students who could join this company and through these channels we, we found extremely good <laughs> people yeah. because professors know the students they know who are the most talented guys they know what they have done they recommend the best people and so when you have these great people in, in the team then they start to build this vision already by them themselves mm. there is a part of the um, early vision or the or the initial ideas but they keep evolving and these new people start to contribute more and more and then it's like a not my company but the, the team's mm. company and the team's shared vision and yeah. they come up with awesome ideas which get into the product what's the biggest risk that you've taken <laughs> I guess <laughs> Building the company is the biggest risk to lose my scientific career because I was not expecting that it will take over and now I have drifted quite far away from the science already. Mm. If you have five year break from science then it's not likely that you can go back. Are you doing much scientific research in your learning and things say? Yes we do. We do it inside the company. We do not uh, our aim is not to publish scientific papers, although we could do it because we have uh, very unique data 
very interesting uh, um, measurements uh, which we use in, for improving the product. And um, as millions of users are learning, uh, then uh, we have such data that nobody else has. Mm. The level of the details that we know about your memory processes, how your short-term memory works, your long-term memory works, uh, it's very, very individual from person to person. Like, if you think about um, physical differences, then yeah, maybe you can run twice as fast as I can, but uh, in the memory retention, people are 10 times different, 100 times different, and it makes huge impact mm. uh, if, you, if you take it into account in the learning process. Many, many other hidden things that you cannot explore without that kind of data, like how, how things interact in your brain, how they mix up, how, how they create confusions, and how does it impact your learning efficiency. And this, yeah, this is a essentially scientific research. And at some point, we would like to publish papers based on that as well. But this will be in the future when we are yeah. bigger cool. as a company. Yeah, it's really interesting because like, I'm dyslexic, so I had quite big learning difficulties. Mm. Trying to explain to people that I don't remember stuff mm. if you tell me it, mm. and that I need to kind of do it like five times more often than other people. <laughs> just, yeah. But I'm actually quite clever and like I can get things instantly or just invent ways to deal with yeah. stuff. Yeah, Richard Branson was also dyslexic. Yeah. And look at him. Mm. <laughs> many, many great people have just different learning styles. Yeah, it's hard. Like, I couldn't really yeah. remember any like physics mm. equations. I just worked them out. Mm. So that was fine. But yeah. <laughs> when it came to doing a degree in physics, I was like, oh, <laughs> I need to like think of a better learning style that I can actually use my memory to do this. Otherwise, mm. I'm never going to get anywhere. Mm. But also, this is quite poignant because I literally, two days ago, I went back to my university to speak to my mm. professors. And one of them is now the head of teaching for the university. Mm. And he was like, Sam, I know you're building like a business and stuff, but do you want to like stop? And just come do a research project of how we can teach our students better, and you can somehow make up a business out mm. of it. Mm. And I'm like, that does sound really nice. <laughs> like, focus. I'm going to finish off my business thing first, mm. and then maybe I'll come and do some research into mm. learning and science about it, because mm. it is really interesting. And yeah, so I would like to get more into kind of what you're doing and mm. help students learn better and all these different things. So maybe we talk more about this in the future when yes. I'm not running my current business. <laughs> but yeah, I'd love to like read some of your science if it gets published or talk to people about how it's going. That sounds, sounds super interesting what you guys get to do. Um, anyway, back to uh, questioning you. What are you worried about? Nothing. I'm not worried about anything. I just had a vacation, longest vacation that I have had in my journey of building the company. And currently, I'm not worried about anything. I have some challenges and some things that I have to solve. Uh, but I'm confident that I can solve them, so I'm not worried. Okay. What about less in the immediate future? Like, are you worried about AI or global warming or anything <laughs> <laughs> like that? Yeah, this is a bit broader question. There are reasons to worry about many things. In the practical life, it's better to worry about those things that you can actually change and make difference where you can make a difference. But in the bigger picture, yes, this... Um, Development which are happening with artificial intelligence and aligning the motivation of artificial intelligence with our motivation is quite important. Being environmentally friendly is equally important to me as well. Although for a CEO who has to raise money from different continents, it's quite mm. tough to be environmentally friendly because you have to fly so much and yeah. flying is the least environmentally friendly thing that you can do. 
but yeah, like you say, it's it's not that helpful to worry about things that aren't changing or that you're not going to have an impact on. And yes, you can kind of live your life and be happier. And you have to worry about those things that you can actually change mm. and make an impact. And in in certain ways, definitely all of us can uh, make a difference in in the environmental questions. But yeah, there's, there's something around like the mindset of it as well as in it can kind of ruin your day if you let it worry you too much or stuff. Like I used to get really pissed off whenever anyone would boil a kettle mm. like, and it was full because mm. I'm like, oh my God, the laws of physics. I mean, <laughs> you take time filling up the kettle like five times just mm. filling up to waste the time when mm. you only walk up a tea and then it's going to take <laughs> six times as longer because of, it's also like getting colder the whole time it's warming mm. up. And it's just like, oh Jesus. And I just like... <laughs> I just boil up with rage, like, <laughs> you have to stop myself from shouting at someone. Mm. And then you're like, well, actually, there's like 7 billion people on the planet, like, maybe 10% of them are all doing this. I'm not getting angry at every single one of them doing it. Like, I'm only getting angry at the one person in my kitchen doing it. So why am I letting it ruin my day? As in, I can be nice to this person, mm. and I can maybe educate them how to, like, not ruin the planet a little mm. bit more and save some of their time. And I can actually just be happy and not be like, oh, God, the whole time. Yeah, this is something that um, the CEO work has taught to me that uh, you have to choose your battles <laughs> and you have to keep focus on things that you can change and worry about those things that you can change. Um, because if you try to worry about everything and try to do everything, then you will, you will not do anything and you will not make an impact in the positive side. Yeah, it's a really big lesson. It's kind of a hard one to grasp until you sort of <laughs> suddenly realize you're doing it and you're like, oh yeah, shit. <laughs> Messing so much stuff up. Cool. Um, is there any one quality that you'd like to improve at? Oh yeah, more than one. <laughs> Maybe the top two. <laughs> well, the biggest quality is communication skills, for sure, because those things are crucial for the leader of the company. And uh, being a scientist, um, I do not know whether I didn't think about it that much or it was not that much a concern, but uh, building a team and company, this communication skills are definitely one of my bottlenecks that I have to improve. It's hard to realize that you're bad at communicating often because if you say stuff and it makes sense to you. And, and other people translate it to a completely different message. Yeah, yeah. It's good that you at least notice these things and hopefully it's getting better. <laughs> yeah, so you said you're taking coaching. Yes. Is that working on your communication skills? What, what's the commu what is the coaching for? Yes, many, many of those coaching sessions that I have had have been re related to communication because I guess this is one of my weakest part and, uh, and most crucial part to build a team. This is quite common that uh, company leaders have uh, coaches who help them to think through the challenges that they have and to uh, be a good sounding board. Um, it just helps to do the job better. Did you learn that you needed a coach quite quickly or did someone just give you a coach and you realized it was really useful or did you come up to a point where you're like, crap, I don't know what I'm doing? In the really early stages of the company, you don't think about it. But when some things are in place, you have learned how to operate, you see where are your shortcomings, then you want to improve them. And, um, and uh, reading many books, I realized that um, 
many great people have had coaches like Steve Jobs and uh, all of them basically if great CEOs have coaches why shouldn't I have a coach <laughs> so I find I found myself one <laughs> and it has made difference working together with a coach yeah I really enjoyed working with coaches and it's funny and it can be nice to have like a few different ones and it didn't mm. always give you the perfect advice but it somehow just helps you solidify like what you're thinking about in mm. your mind to make the choice even mm. if it's different to what they tell you um yeah they um they normally do not give advice actually they mm. try to pull out yeah, they, uh, the answers from, from you. you yourself but asking the right questions it even sometimes helps to think out loud and they they help to have a conversation sometimes with yourself by asking a good good question you mentioned books what were the best books? So, so when you first spoke about starting the business, you said you read a few books that got you going, and then you've read many books since. What were your favorite books? Mm. And there are many favorite books. I like uh, the books written by what is this Italian guy? Patrick Lencioni. He has a yeah. bunch of books, uh, one better than another. They're like um, novels, stories, and all of them have really clear message: death by meeting five dysfunctions of the team mm. um, advantage books like that really worth reading even if you are not building a company worth reading yeah i really like uh, the five dysfunctions of a team mm. and the others more cool books to go into what is the kindest thing that someone has ever done for you <laughs> this is um, small things are kind things <laughs> um, for example last week i was in a in a restaurant or a cafe and I was doing work it was very late I went there to have uh, a dinner but I, as I was working I, I had some calls then I didn't notice that uh, the kitchen was closed and uh, and essentially <laughs> this waitress came to say to me that okay now we're closing you have to leave I said oh fuck I didn't have time to order anything <laughs> and then then she brought me a sandwich made by himself because the chef had left already. Oh. It's a small, very kind thing. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> so <make> beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it's it's a small thing, but actually, such things make big things. Yeah, those the small things make make big kind things. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's really nice. I like it. One question is, what is your thing? Um, by which, as in, if I asked your friends. What would they be like? Ah, Mighty's always doing that. <laughs> I do not know. They would probably now they would answer Mighty's always building the company. Mm. Because yeah. okay, but more like and the little thing is in if you ever see chocolate cross on like you just can't stop yourself. Probably they say that if I start doing something, then I <laughs> I take I start taking it more and more seriously, mm. <laughs> and at some point I think that. This thing that I'm doing is the most important thing. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody else should do it as well. <laughs> cool. Maybe don't get too much into Bitcoin. <laughs> What's your most vivid memory from childhood? Mm, I have one very vivid memory from childhood when I was three years old. I was in a kindergarten and it was a cold winter day. I decided that at the lunchtime I go home. <laughs> and I walked through the city. Um, it was tough because if you are three years old, you are quite short and you cannot see much. 
So it was tough to find the right houses and the right streets. So I made it home and I was really lucky yeah. climbing up the staircase and I felt I have achieved something. Yeah. <laughs> I was really happy and I didn't really realize why my grandmother was not so happy. <laughs> she was going ballistic. Exactly. She went ballistic and my mother was at home. She went ballistic and then I was taken back to the, to the kindergarten. But just before I had, I was, my, I had very high emotions because I thought, mm. that, hey, uh, now I can come home by myself yeah. and you do not have to worry anymore <laughs> about it. I can yeah, whenever yeah. I want to. It's amazing. <laughs> I know exactly that feeling when you're like, mom, I've done this amazing thing. And they're like, oh my God, don't do that. And you're like, what? <laughs> Everything I know about it tells me I've done a good thing, and now I'm being told this is the most terrible thing. Exactly, this was what? a very confusing thing. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I can so relate. That's so funny. Cool. So, what did you did you actually kind of understand what why you're being told it eventually, or did it take a while to? Oh yeah, they 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 <laughs> spent time explaining to me why I should not come home on my own. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's amazing. Cool. Uh, what does the growth mindset mean to you? Growth mindset means for me to have a desire or internal motivation to try new things and learn new things and absorb new knowledge and experiences. Yeah, this is what it means. That's why I'm building the company because if uh, um, I realized that uh, I can uh, actually learn a new language in a couple of months and it's a reality it's not a science fiction if the ai helps me then i can learn so much faster and it's so much more fun if you learn things quickly and you can start using them so yeah this is a this the growth mindset is also why i'm building this company because i believe that uh, if there is a tool which helps people to learn faster then they will they they will have much more pleasant experience growing and discovering new things in the life yeah. and that's why we want to take this technology out from language learning to other fields of education as well because uh, um, the world is changing and people mm. have to take new jobs and positions and they have to learn quickly and their success depends on that and also their welfare and depends on that um, so if technology helps us to learn faster then it makes the world a much better place yeah, then I say that technology might be causing all our problems, yeah. but it's also the, the only thing mm. that can save us. And <laughs> yeah, as in, we are going to have to be able to like, change careers quite easily mm. and rescale. And it's mm. really important education. And there's a big problem facing unions that they're kind of providing mm. the old education that isn't actually that practical mm. for what we're now going to go into and face in the world. Mm. And there's so much new stuff you need to be learning. And I had um, some thought about it recently related to the SpaceX. It's building rockets to go to Mars, huge rockets, like trying to build a colonization in Mars. And those people who are going to Mars, um, they have to have very strong growth mindset because they will go to an environment where they have many, many new things to figure out, where they have to learn a lot. They have to learn fast. And they are essentially building a new race of humans who can survive in unknown environment and learn really quickly. And that's why I feel that us building this technology to help people to learn really quickly actually helps with this mission as well, to be interplanetary species. <laughs> cool. 
Thanks. Yeah, that's an amazing answer. It's funny because like, I almost cut you off after you said like the first like, yeah, well, growth mindset's just like mm. having experiences <laughs> and learning and then, <laughs> and then stopped. And I was like, <laughs> and then poof. Awesome answer. Cool. Thanks so much. Um, yeah, that was the last question. Is there anything else you'd like me to ask you? I just had an additional thought about your question. Mm -hmm. What was the kindest thing? And I would, I would give this very, very general answer to it. That I think the, most, the kindest thing that people have done to me is that they have forgiven me my mistakes. Mm. This is the kindest thing that people have made ever to me, that they have forgiven me my mistakes in the professional life and in a, in a personal life. But... Mm. Uh, yeah, have you got any examples? No. Okay. But I guess everybody can think about their own examples and think about things where they have done some kind things like that. So it does make a big difference, especially when someone makes a mistake when you first mm. meet them to just assume mm. that they're like a bit mm. stupid or can't do something mm. and to then realize that they can. Get it's also related to this growth mindset that if you want yeah. to grow, you will make mistakes. And mm. sometimes these mistakes are bad mistakes. Um, and if people forgive them to you, then um, it helps you to grow and learn from those mistakes. Yeah, so much. Oh, it's a great example of um, some engineer for like a business who somehow lost like a million pounds because he mm. like pressed the wrong button or something. And mm. they're like, oh, you're going to fire this guy for messing up. And the mm. guy was like, I just like spent a million pound teaching him to press the right button. <laughs> no, he's not getting fired. <laughs> so that's a wrap. We had to run out of the podcast room and kind of rush the last few questions as there was a booking coming in afterwards. But I'm so glad for everything that we did record. Mike's just such an intelligent and funny guy and um, he's just so honest. <laughs> to be fair, I probably did have to edit out about 20 minutes of just Mike laughing from the podcast uh, to get it down to um, the actual sort of 40 minute time that I was aiming for. But I have to say his uh, humour was just really infectious and I felt so happy after meeting him. He, he tells really good stories and I hope one day that he writes a book and reads it out as uh, something I can download because I think I could just listen to him speaking endlessly and, and I'd just be really happy. Anyway, I'll stop being so enamoured and uh, just, just break down my top tips for you. Number one, focus. Mike says that when he's trying to do something, it ends up taking up his full focus and he really thinks that's the most important thing. And it's, it's a really good trait to really focused on the thing you're trying to achieve and not get interrupted by other things. And he also talks about the fact that you should only focus on what you can change. So you shouldn't waste time worrying about things that you can't change and are sort of inevitable and just only use your time effectively rather than wasting it on things that you're not going to make a difference on. Two, show dedication. So Mike took a loan to fund the company initially, which showed that he was really keen to make it happen, a great personal risk to himself. This helped prove to investors that he really was committed and dedicated to making the business a success. And that was the important part that helped him to go on to raise more fundraising. So if you can do anything to prove that you're really committed, I think that's really important. Three, enjoy the ride. Mike's story about hiking and the pains that you go through to get to the end but it ends up really delivering a satisfying feeling that you really enjoy. Like, I found that really poignant and accurate. And I think when you realize that, you can enjoy the ride a lot more as well. Because when you're aware that your problems are just moments that you'll overcome and you'll look back at with fondness, then you can actually appreciate that moment as it's happening and enjoy it more itself, rather than letting it get you down. 
I still can't get over how much I love some of his other answers to kindness and his first memory. And like the first memory question is one of my favorite questions to ask people. Although half the time the guests, they'll often just draw a blank. And um, this is why you won't always hear an answer to that on the podcast. But I do always ask it because occasionally I get these magic moments like just now with Mike, which makes it totally worth the awkward moments that I go through, which uh, you'll never actually hear on the podcast. Yeah, I can really relate to Mike's experience of being so proud of himself for doing something that was actually really naughty, but he hadn't realized it. And I have a similar and fairly gross story myself from when I was about three years old and I was uh, playing with my sister and then for some reason she dared me to get into the toilet, like the bowl, and I kind of did and was like, oh wow, I can kind of totally get in and it's kind of nice and wet and I can like bathe myself in, in this toilet bowl. This is so easy, like, no, my mum never needs to run a bath, and like, oh, I'm washing myself. And I was literally there, like, spooning water, like, onto my head, and like, covering myself in water that was from the toilet, and uh, yeah, standing in it and stuff. And then my sister knows that I'm being an idiot, which I don't, and is like, oh, I'll, I'll go tell mum how clever you are, like, washing yourself in the toilet. And then she comes back with my mum, she's like, what, why is Sam in the toilet? And then she looks at me, sees me, and goes, Sam, get out of the toilet! What are you doing? And I'm like, what? I, I think I'm doing a good thing. And then my mum starts running a bath to wash me, and I'm like, mum, I've just bathed myself. I don't I don't need another bath. I've, I've got this sorted. She's like, never do that again. Never do that. And I'm like, oh, I've done a bad thing now. So anyway... That's a story about me being slightly stupid as a child. Yeah, maybe a bit gross, but obviously I've now learned and don't wash myself in the toilet and I didn't die from anything, so this is good. Anyway, moving on to books. Mike recommends Patrick Leconcini, who uh, I can also recommend myself. He does a really great job of making like business parables. So entire books that are just stories of fictitious events but they're very realistic and he breaks them down into what we can really learn and take away so you can be a better communicator and team player and leader I guess and they're just a really nice balance of storytelling along with the processes of what you should be applying and when. So yeah that's it for the podcast if you want to find out more about Lingvist then download the app uh, because Mike's a nice guy and it'd be good to help him and uh Maybe you help yourself and learn languages a lot faster now for free. And yeah, if you're interested in the science of learning or you had a similar mind-changing experience as a child, then do let me know. I'd love to chat to you. Otherwise, enjoy the rest of the week. Stay tuned for next week and some more mind-expanding conversations. You've listened to an episode of the Growth Mindset Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your preferred app and give me a good rating. If you are unable to give good feedback right now, try sharing the show with a friend who will, or just wait for the show to improve. If you have any ideas for the show or you just want to reach out, I'd love to talk to you. On Twitter, I am at SamHarrisTweets or Instagram, SamJamSnaps. Show notes, along with links to everything that we discuss, are available at growthmindsetpodcast.com along with information on how to get involved and blog posts on cool things that you should be aware of. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy your next podcast. Okay, can you um, say something? Like, Hello? What did you have for breakfast? Uh, I had uh, 
the breakfast one omelette and uh, this omelette is currently somewhere in my <laughs> somewhere inside my nose yeah uh, that's not good yeah <laughs> Which somehow dissipated. <laughs> I guess I'm fine. Sometimes when you talk and eat and at the same time very aggressively, then it's channeled to the wrong, wrong channel. Uh, it's the worst when like someone makes you laugh and you're like drinking a hot chocolate yeah. or something, and it just like comes out your nose back into your cup, and you're like, oh, I was drinking that. And it just makes you laugh harder. <laughs>